You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. You can turn in your Bible if you have. I hope you do to the book of 3rd John, 3rd letter of John. And can you believe that this is the second to last week before we finish uh, our series, the book. Next week we'll be in Revelation. And, uh, and Pastor David, like, he's, a, uh, he's a beast at that book and I am, I'm intimidated by it. So next week will be fun. I mean, that's just your, like, just your offer. If you wanna go to the worship center next week and hear an expert on Revelation, like no, no shame. I may, I may go in there too, I don't know. So uh, no, I'm excited about it. But this week we're in the book of Third John. As you're turning there, I want to remind you that Two weeks from today, we are gonna be collecting our Operation Christmas Child boxes, which if you're not sure what that is, you can go to the Welcome Center here or at the Worship Center, and they've got some boxes there for you, I believe, and some information on how to get involved. And basically, the long story short of it is we partner with Samaritan's Purse, you pack a shoebox full of goodies, and that shoebox goes around the world to a child in need, and they're, get, they're gonna get to hear the gospel when they get this box and get some little goodies, uh, an, an incredible way to, to serve those in poverty around the world, but again, to give them the hope of Jesus, not just a box of fun little toys. My, my in-laws, uh, they were here this summer and watching our, our kids for us, and Miss Donna, Lauren's mom, Cha-Cha, as we call her, is, uh, she, she's a planner, she likes to get ahead of things. So back in July, they went ahead and packed some Operation Christmas Child boxes with our two kids, which is pretty impressive, but they're thinking ahead, right? And uh, actually yesterday, uh, Haddon, our three-year-old son, he sees up on top of our closet, he sees those shoe boxes that have been packed since July. He helped pack them. He sees the shoe boxes and he says, Daddy, I, I want that box. And I, I said, man, like, no. And he said, Daddy, I want that box. And I said, Haddon, the, you remember what that is, buddy? Like, we, we pack, you packed that, you packed that, man. You packed that out of the goodness of your heart, you little three-year-old. This summer, this past summer and at Christmas, buddy, we're gonna send it somewhere around the world to a child in need and they're gonna get to hear about Jesus. They're gonna get to get all these good toys. It's gonna be great. And he said, I want that box because <laughs> he knows what's in it. And I said, buddy, listen, you, you, you're a nice guy. You're so nice. And that's why you wanted to give those nice things to a kid somewhere around the world that needs them. You're a nice guy. And he said, I'm not nice. I want the box. <laughs> True story. You can ask my wife. I was like, Had, what is wrong? He was willing to throw everything out the window, throw out his morality, like, I just want the box, right? So in that moment, I had to kind of lean in and give some fatherly advice of like, Remember who you are, Haddon, stay the course, okay? Don't get a ladder and get the box. Um, don't give in to your selfish desires. And think about in, in our Christian walk, all of us need some sort of fatherly figure to help guide us, push us um, in our faith, to, to give us some affirmation, some encouragement. Of, hey, you're headed the right direction. You're growing in, in these areas and that's really good. Or to say, hey, like, be careful, be, be wary of these situations. A, a spiritual father, and some, for some, a spiritual mother to, to kind of guide you. What's cool about the book of Third John is John the apostle who walked with Jesus is really functioning as a spiritual father to a man named Gaius. And 
he's helping him, he's encouraging him in his faith and said, hey, you've done well in these things, do these things. He's affirming him, but he's also kind of warning him of some situations and even some different people who he does not need to imitate. And here's what's really cool about the Bible. Though, yes, this is a letter over 2,000 years old, at the same time, it has incredible relevance for us today. And so in some form or fashion, you could say that the apostle John is functioning kind of as a spiritual father for us in this room. But, but, but maybe more importantly, God, our father, is guiding us on our spiritual walk as we read this letter. He's giving us some affirmation, some encouragement of, hey, stay the course, be wary of this, do these things. And as we're gonna look at the text, we're gonna really see three big things, three truths, three points that we can gather, glean from. There's probably more than that, but three we're gonna see this morning that help encourage us in our faith. And we're gonna, we're gonna really start at the end of the text and work our way backwards just to have a little fun with it. You guys good? You ready? All right, let's do it. Okay, dive in. Two of you are, that's awesome. Okay, dive in in verse nine of, uh, I can't say chapter because it's just verses. All right, it's a short book. Verse nine. This is John writing to Gaius. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have first place among them, does not receive our authority. This is why if I come, I will remind him of the works he is doing, slandering us with malicious words. And he's not satisfied with that. He not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. <laughs> Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius, even the truth itself. And we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have many things to write to you, but I don't want to write it to you with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon and we'll talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. So first, I wanna point out, like, I, I love what uh, John, not Paul, sorry, what John is addressing here because, man, this happens all the time. John is telling Gaius, watch out for diatrophies because He's super selfish. He's super prideful. So prideful, so self-centered that John had wrote a letter to the church where Gaius was at and Diotrephes didn't let the letter be received there. And so Diotrephes was probably a person of, of uh, some sort of authority or leadership role in the church and he wouldn't receive the letter from John. And, and, and then he's not even letting other missionaries or new believers come into the church and says because he loves to have first place among everybody else. Here's the first point I think we need to see here from our spiritual father. The best way to hinder what God is doing is to make it about you, <laughs> to make it about yourself. You can maybe even phrase it slightly differently. The best way to miss out on what God is doing is to make it about you, to make it about yourself. Here's the deal. God never shares his glory. He's never like, you know what? Brandon, you're pretty awesome. Have some of my glory. No, never. He never shares his glory. Pride never leads you to the promised land. 
It'll always end up hurting you. You'll miss out on what God is doing. Uh, Eloah says, I don't love, it's interesting. He, he loves to have first place among them. Notice later he says, John says that Diotrephes not only refuses to welcome fellow believers, but he even stops those who want to do so and expels them from the church. So could you imagine, you're, you're bringing in some, some new friends to church and someone's at the door, they're like, whoa, 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 who are these new people? <laughs> uh, just some friends. Not welcome, and you, because you tried to bring them, you're trying to accept them, you can go out to the parking lot, go on down the street to a different church. But if that ever happens, please let me know, okay? <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do, but we're not gonna let that happen. Why would someone, why would someone be so obsessed with not letting new people into the flock? I also think it's not just new people. He's even talking about these traveling missionaries that are coming through and he's saying, hey, no, you can't, you can't come into this, into this local gathering. You can't be a part of this. Why would someone wanna keep new, uh, new to us, as in new relationships, why would they want to keep other believers from joining their church? Any ideas? I think it's because Diotrephes was so selfish, he was afraid that new people would take the attention from him. Doesn't that make sense? He says he loves to have first place. So anything that would detract from his authority and his leadership and the spotlight being on him, he's like, whoa, 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 don't, don't let him in. Let's keep this group small and keep the attention on me because it's all about me. Like if, you know, maybe if, if Dr. Fees was singing some old school worship, he'd be like, I lift the name on high, right? Or what's the song we sing? Uh, what a beautiful name it is. He'd be like, what a beautiful name it is, the name of Diotrephes. <laughs> I have no rival, I have no equal. Like, that's what this guy's doing. He wants first place. You know, it, it's kind of silly, but all of us are prone, deep in our flesh, to want it all to be about us, aren't we? And the problem is when you do that, you, you, you may hinder what God is doing. By the way, he's gonna... He's still gonna accomplish what he needs to do. He'll just go around you. <laughs> and the reality is you're gonna miss out on what God is doing when you make it about yourself. You can call this king of the hill Christianity. That You ever play that when you're growing up or like even in the pool, like you're trying to get on the tube or whatever? Like in, who can knock the other people off? That's what we do as Christians sometimes. We're trying to push other people down so that the spotlight can be on us. And what is so ridiculous about that is that Christ, who is the king of the hill, so to speak, left heaven's throne and died a sinner's death on a cross for us. As Carl Henry said, how can you be arrogant next to the cross? How foolish do we look when we're arrogant and it's all about us when Jesus left heaven's throne to come and die for us? Foolish, we miss out, we hinder the work of God. We dismiss ourselves from it when we make it all about us. A greater perception of Jesus will always lead to a greater pursuit of humility. Show me someone who's incredibly prideful and I'll show you someone who hasn't got a good look at Jesus. Show me someone who walks in humility and puts others first and I'll show you someone who understands what Jesus has done for them. It's all about Jesus. Christine Kane, she's a popular speaker. She, love what she says. If the light that shines on you, kind of terrifying as I stand here with some lights on me, but 
if the light that shines on you is greater than the light that shines in you, it'll kill you. Diotrephes, for whatever reason, he, he had some light on him, some leadership, some authority in the church, but his love for Jesus, the light in him, was not greater than that light shining on him, and it, it ruined his ministry. John says, I'm gonna, con- I'm co- gonna confront him. I'm gonna address him. And it's possible that maybe Diotrephes wasn't even a Christian. It says he's living evil. That's why he said, uh, John tells Gaius, don't imitate him. And he says that the one who does evil has not even seen God. When you're so obsessed with making things about yourself, it's, it's possible, maybe probable, that you don't know Christ if everything is always about you. Encouragement from a spiritual father, John says, don't miss out. Don't dismiss yourself from the work of God by making it about yourself. You know, I think when we, when we don't make it about ourselves, but make things about the Lord and focus on him, that brings joy to the heart of God. Another thing that brings joy to the heart of God, if, go back to verse five with me. I wanna say the second truth that our spiritual father, John, gives us here and God gives us here. It says, dear friend, verse five, you're acting faithfully in whatever you do for the brothers and sisters, especially when they are strangers. They have testified to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God, since they set out for the sake of the name. What's the name he's talking about there? Whose name? Sunday school answer, give it to me. Jesus, yes, they've set out for the name, for Jesus, accepting nothing from pagans. Therefore, we ought to support such people so that we can be co-workers with the truth. So here, John is encouraging Gaius. He's saying, hey, you've been doing an incredible job even towards these strangers, and he unpacks that these strangers are those who are going out for the sake of the name. So if you're familiar with Acts, either it's possible these strangers who are going out for the sake of the name were just believers who were experiencing persecution and they were scattered. And as Acts teaches us, as they went, they shared the name of Jesus. Or maybe these are, in the more uh, traditional sense as we think of it, missionaries who are going, they've, they've left their kind of tra- traditional job, so to speak, and they're day in, day out, going and just spreading the gospel, sharing the name of Jesus. And so John is encouraging Gaius, he's saying, hey, you've been showing hospitality to these people, way to go, keep it up. You're actually co-laboring with the truth. And here's the second point I think that really we receive here from our spiritual father as some encouragement, and that is this. We're at our best when we partner together for the gospel. We're at our best when we partner together for the gospel. When we support each other in the gospel work, in kingdom work. By the way, just as a reminder, I'm gonna keep bugging you about this. It, we're all in ministry. Amen. Every single one of us. I realize that God calls some to be uh, pastors and teachers and, and, and serve the body that way. But if you read Ephesians, to serve the body, to equip the body for the work of the ministry. So all of us are to be ministry. All of us to be are to be spreading the name of Jesus in whatever form or fashion, whatever platform God has given us. We are to be co-laborers with the truth. So this is not just about Southcrest. This is about believers around the world. This is about the kingdom work that God is doing. Amen? So to labor together. We're at our best when we 
partner together, work together for the gospel. It makes me think of uh, team rowing in the Olympics. We can throw up this picture real quick. By the way, an incredible book, incredible book on team rowing is a book called uh, The Boys in the Boat. And it's about a rowing team from the University of Washington in like the late 1930s, I believe it was, maybe early 1940s. Incredible. But this is not them, obviously. But uh, just a quick picture here. So you've got the eight guys in the boat plus the coxswain. That's the guy sitting down. Uh, it looks really smaller. Normally the coxswain is the smallest person in the boat. But they're actually going, like if you're looking at the screen, at, the boat is actually moving that direction. So the coxswain is the only one who can really see where they're headed. They're all trusting him. What's interesting about rowing, and uh, the boys in the boat, again, incredible true story, uh, kind of unpacks this beautifully. The idea that in rowing, you have to have a team mentality or the boat will go off track or it'll never, never get in what they call swing. So when a, a rowing boat gets in swing, it's when if you're watching the boat, and you can see this in the Olympics sometimes when they get in swing, as you're watching the boat, every member, every person rowing in the boat, all of their movements are perfectly synchronized. That You can't tell any distinction really in them because they're perfectly harmoniously in synchronization. They call that in music being in the pocket, I believe, don't we, Maddox, right? When you get that in the pocket, get in the groove and everything's just tight. But for that to happen, for a boat to get in swing, it requires the people, the men or women rowing to make it not about themselves and to realize they're a part of something bigger. So you may have in, in the boys in the boat, they tell the story, there are some guys in the boat in their early, their freshman, sophomore years, who they wanna row as hard as they can, but the problem is they end up not getting in sync with the other rowers. Or maybe they wanna stretch out further or they wanna go, instead of faster, they wanna go, row more powerfully. But if you're not synced up, the boat will never, you'll never win the race you're in because you're not partnering together. I think it's a beautiful picture of our faith. That co-laboring in the truth, partnering together for the gospel is sometimes going to require some inconveniences. You, I, I'm pretty sure that Gaius letting these mi traveling missionaries and new believers stay at his house and showing them hospitality, that was probably inconvenient. Like I love having people to the house, but having people stay over all the time and just show up out of nowhere can be inconvenient. That's why we don't do it, I guess. I don't know as Americans. Giving, praying for other people as they're going and share the gospel, making, surrendering your business to the Lord so it's not all about you. That is an inconvenience. But when you do it, you're partnering together for the gospel. And we're at our best when we partner together for the gospel. Can you think of anything better to partner on the gospel of Jesus Christ? No. Nothing more important, nothing more urgent for us to sync up on as believers than the gospel that the nations, the world may know the name of Jesus, amen? I mentioned these two things really bring joy to the heart of God. And I really think this last thing, you may be surprised on what ultimately brings joy to the heart of God. Look at verse one of 3 John. The elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health just as your whole life is going well. For I was very glad when fellow believers came and testified to your fidelity to the truth, how you are walking in truth. Now lean in here, I love this verse four. I have no greater joy than this, to hear that my children are walking in 
truth. What does he say? Brings no greater joy than what? Children walking in the truth. I'm gonna suspect that some of us, maybe this is what you need to hear most this morning. This is our third truth here in the text. It is this. You bring joy to the heart of God by simply walking with him. You bring joy to the heart of God by simply walking with him. John's encouraging Gaius, like, hey, you're, you're, you're fidelity to the truth. You're clinging, you're being faithful to the truth. You're, you're walking in the truth. And it brings me so much joy. And I think God to us today says, that when you cling to the truth and you're faithful to the truth, when you walk in the truth, it brings God so much joy. What does it mean to walk in the truth? That's kind of a weird, it's not like you put your Bible down and you walk, I'm walking in the truth. No, walking in the truth is that your life, the way you live your life is in accordance with the gospel. That the way you live, the way you think, the way you talk, the way you believe is in accordance with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That what God lays out in scripture, you, you submit to for your life. That when you do that, when your life is synced up with the gospel, you're living in light of what Jesus has done for you, nothing greater than that can bring joy to the heart of God like that. Just walking in the truth. That verse kind of jumped off the page to me a little bit when he says, no greater joy than this, than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Because I think often, y'all, we have these, that we have these, crazy big ideas that what brings joy to the heart of God is only the grandiose things. We, can, we tend to have in our culture this kind of holier than thou Christianity that like, we know what, what really pleases God, what really pleases God is the missionary who eats bugs for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and sleeps on a dirt floor and they haven't talked to family in 10 years and they're living in the hottest part of the world. That brings joy to God. Does that bring joy to God? Yes, I'm not making light of that. But if you have the idea that that's the only thing that brings joy to God is this crazy missionary setting, then you're gonna live every day with this like, well, okay, God, I'm just, just living in Lubbock, doing my thing. Guess you're upset with me. I guess I'll go to school now. I <laughs> guess I'll go to work now. When really, you're just walking in the truth, even that brings joy to God. Should we go and do missions? Should we show the gospel? Yes. But what brings joy to the heart of God is you walking in the truth, simply walking with him. Y'all tracking with me? I remember I had a college professor, Dr. Tanner, who shared this idea with us. And, and for some reason, even though I grew up in church, it, uh, it didn't resonate until he shared it. But he shared the idea because God is a loving father. And as we really see that passing down through John, even in 3 John, <clears throat> we, we should, because of the, if we're in Christ, we experience the blessing of being his child and God delights in his children. The testimonies all throughout scripture that he delights in his children. And so I remember Dr. Tanner sharing this idea of like if you went into God's house, metaphor, right? You go into God's house, you look at his refrigerator, he's got your picture on the fridge and your artwork, right? Like, seems a little cheesy, but he's a loving father. I think often in our world, we have this idea that, that if, if God has our picture on his phone, like a proud dad moment, that he only shows the big crazy stuff we do. Like, let's pull up a picture here. 
Do you remember when I took a picture of a really funny car yesterday? That's the first thing that pulled up. I took a picture of a truck in front of me that, that the back of the truck said, Big Booty Judy. So <laughs> there's that, there you go. Probably shouldn't share that in church, but whatever, okay. This seems appropriate. So you can't really see what this is yet, that's good. So this is my son, but uh, I think we have this idea, Haddon, who doesn't wanna give Operation Christmas child boxes to kids in need, but whatever. We have this idea that God is like only gonna show pictures when it's like, man, Haddon went, went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic this summer and he built homes for some people down there. So now I'm gonna show you my, my proud dad moment. Or we have this, this idea that, that God is like, hey, you know what? Carolina Tate, she finally, she finally memorized the entire New Testament. And so here's her picture. I wanna show it to you. <laughs> when in reality, what's funny, this is a pic, literally, this is a picture of Haddon eating a donut in my office. But because he's my son and I delight him, I'm like, I delight in him. I'm like, oh yeah, picture, right? He's just, he's just eating a donut. No greater joy than this to hear that my children are simply walking in truth. I think that means that God, that looks practically as if there's a proud dad, dad moment for God and he's got his phone out that he's like, oh man, let me show you this picture. Let me show this picture of Benjamin. Angels, come here, come here, come here, angels. Come here, come here, seriously. Look at Benjamin. He's reading his Bible. Man, that's awesome. He got up early today and he's digging, in, he's digging into my word. Man, I love that, it's so cool. And there's a picture of Marty. Let me show you some Marty. Come here, come here, Gabriel, come, come here, Gabriel. Come here, look at this picture, man. Marty, man, look at him, he's driving, he's driving in the truck to work and he's just, he's just praying. That's so cool. That's my boy. He's talking with me. Man, there's, there's Jenny. Well, it's Haddon, sorry, Jenny. But there's Jenny, man, she's, she's showing some love to coworkers. Her coworkers are jerks. They're a bunch of tools, like, God probably wouldn't say that, sorry. <laughs> focus, focus. <laughs> Man, but Jenny's showing, she's showing them love even though they don't deserve it. Isn't that cool? Angels, that, that's my daughter. So cool. Angels, man, look at this. My friend, my daughter, Abby, She's in, that, she's in that class of tech, and man, her professor, whoo, he does not like me. <laughs> and Abby, she's still, she's still believing. She's still trusting me. Man, I'm proud of her. Mad delight in that. Man, there's, there's Gabriel, come back, come here, I got another picture. <laughs> there's, there's my son, Brandon, he, he's, He's walking in the hope of the gospel. Even when he doesn't feel forgiven, he's choosing to believe that he's forgiven and loved because of the cross. Man, that's my boy. That's my child. I delight in him. Man, there's, there's my son, Matt. He, look at this picture. He's doing the right thing, 
even when no one's looking. Man, that's my boy. It's Halloween. Tonight, a lot of us are gonna put on some mask or whatever <laughs> outfit. You don't have to wear a mask before God like you're someone you're not. Like you're this super Christian. (laughs) He delights in you simply just walking in the truth. The best way to bring joy to God is to enjoy him. You You just enjoy God and walk with him you bring joy to the Father's heart. Knowing this this letter is still relevant and, and really John writes this to us and certainly God our Father is writing this letter to us. I want you to consider which truth do you need to, to wrestle with the most? Whichever truth God is inviting you to really embrace this morning and to respond or change in light of, you can trust and know that, that he's good. But I wanna, I wanna end with, with one quote related to the third point, that you bring joy to the heart of God by simply walking with him. It's from one of my newfound favorite authors. His name is Dane Ortland. He says this, one of the devil's great victories is to flood our hearts with a sense of futility. Meaning, Satan likes to flood our hearts with this feeling of you're not growing, you're not getting anywhere, it's all in vain. Perhaps his greatest victory, so he's talking about the devil, perhaps his greatest victory in your life is not a sin you are habitually committing, but simply a sense of helplessness as to real growth. Friends, I'm afraid that if you get in this, this cycle of despair, of like, man, I'm just not growing. I, I'm, God, God's not pleased with me. That you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna quit pursuing him. You're gonna quit delighting in him. When you quit delighting in him, the Christian walk kind of begins to crumble. Don't buy that life. You are in Christ. God the Father delights in you, amen? Not because of you, but because of the cross and the empty grave. So don't buy this lie that, there's, that you're hopeless. No, because of Christ, there's always hope. And you bring joy to God by simply walking in him, walking in the truth, by delighting in him. So when you feel despair, discouragement, shove that in Satan's face. No, I'm gonna walk with Christ. I'm gonna delight in him. Rest in that. As one friend told me this week, we don't grow, we're not not more like Christ when we experience shame. No, when we experience the love and grace of Jesus, it's almost a natural overflow that we want to tell others about him. We want to go and spread the good news. Begins with delighting in him, which he delights in. I'm gonna give us a second to just kind of have some, some reflection of just, hey, what is God doing in your life this morning? Where is he challenging you? Where is he encouraging you? Maybe it's the truth just to embrace. It's not always an action. Maybe their application is just really embrace one of the truths from God's word this morning. I'm gonna pray for us and then in just a moment, uh, I'll close this and we'll stand and sing a a brief song. God, thank you for your word. God, thank you for how you speak to us. God, I pray that you would right now as I 
just a second in quiet. We have a time of reflection that you would speak to us. We would hear you clearly and it would be rooted in your word, Jesus. Right now, would you speak to us? Give me a moment to just talk with the Lord. God, thank you that you never let us down, that you are good. God, in light of that, when we seek to walk in humility and not make things about ourselves, God, when we partner together for the gospel, knowing that our work to spread your name is not in vain, and God, when we be encouraged to keep walking with you by knowing that simply walking in the truth brings you so much grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Amen. If y'all would stand and sing. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church.